All right. Good morning, Crossing Church. Um, uh, CV visitors. So if you don't know me, my name is Jesse. That's Joseph. Uh, Jared, uh, our other elder, is uh, preaching at a church called Alts Chapel today. James Sharp is uh, another guy that we, another leader we have, uh, is usually preaching there, but uh, he's there this morning. Uh, so I get to start our January sermon series. Um, every year, like Joseph said, we do the same thing. Uh, not to make it uh, ritualistic, not to get into a rut of things. Uh, but we think it's so good at the beginning of the year. Nothing special about the first of the year. Um, nothing magical about it. Um, some of us want to think so, maybe with our resolutions. Uh, I'm going to go to Planet Fitness eventually. I think it's, I mean, January, yeah, almost there. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to stop drinking Cokes. I just had a sip of Big Red, and it's not happening. Um, I'm going to stop all that. There's, there's nothing magical about these resolutions. Nothing magical about January. But we love to start the year uh, in this way. Um, and so... I'll get into that, uh, but first, as we do every Sunday, uh, we do want to pray uh, for uh, us. We want to pray for the church in Monroe, West Monroe. We want to pray for the unreached people groups. Uh, we want to pray for Monroe, West Monroe. So uh, if you'll pray with me, uh, let's do that now. Father, we love you. Uh, we love you only because you first loved us. Nothing special about who we are, only that you loved us. God, thank you for this time of worship, we can gather together freely in public to sing, to declare your goodness, to hear your word proclaimed, and then to go out and proclaim your good news to the world, God. We ask you bless the worship gatherings of our partners at Alls Chapel this morning, Cedar Crest, Covenant Presbyterian, Fair Park Baptist, Washtenaw Presbyterian, Refuge in the Park, and the Well, God. Bless their worship gatherings this morning. We want to be more than just a gathering. We don't be more than just a ritualistic thing. God, I pray that you give us spiritual health at every level to the smallest units of discipleship. Bless our DNA groups for your glory. Deepen these relationships as we struggle to meet, as we struggle to get into things that are hard, as we struggle to confess sin and address it. Grow us in our maturity. Grow us in your likeness. Grow our discipleship in general. Shepherd our youth, God at the crossing, our young adults, our college students, make us good stewards of these young people, that we'll be of service to ministries like the Wesley and the BCM as they prepare for a fresh start this new semester, God. Develop and deploy future church planning teams sent from these youth and college ministries, from the crossing, from other local areas. Give us a deeper burden to send out faithful heralds of the gospel across the nation. May we be a sending church that sends gospel workers to unreached people groups that we regularly play for, the Wanchi, the Ache, the Bamai, the Bonim, the Tongren, Tibet, Nijone, the Laz, the Zaza, and the Mandar people, and so, so many more that we don't even know. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your great plan by caring for our sent ones, God, the V family in Indonesia, the T family in Berlin. You know their needs before we even ask. Even when we fail to check in, we fail to Know their needs, God, you know them. Meet every family member where they need you most, their team members where they need you most, as you faithfully do. God, we pray that you are with the Banks family and the Oak Cliff team. We love them so much. God, we pray that you share your presence through them, that whole community. Let each family member, each individual be closer to you, drawn closer to you, God. We pray that you just find a revival in the South Dallas area, God, uh, through this team, through the other churches in the area, God. 
Empower us to move forward without fear into this coming political season. Help us to turn first to you through prayerful people when we don't want to deal with it at all who intercede regularly for this national government. God, guide, convict the Biden administration. Give them the courage and humility to become servants of the people and their responsibility. God, I pray that you open our hearts and ears to your word this morning. Do what only you can do, what you desire to do. We trust you have plans for your word, for your people. God, we pray that you make it happen. We pray that you grow us into a people who love the word, who love you, who love each other, uh, and, and, and grow in desperation for those who don't know you. God, I pray that we become a, a going people, a going people proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming truth to those who do not know Jesus. Amen. All right, I'm going to read Matthew uh, 22, uh, 34 through 40 to start. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert of the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command of the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So every January since the Crossing Church uh, has been regularly gathering on Sunday mornings, uh, we have devoted sermons in this month to four topics. Those topics are the word, prayer, racial reconciliation, and sanctity of human life. I think that was the wrong way. <laughs> Twenty two three is no different. Uh, we still want to walk through these four things. If I need to use the other mic, uh, let me know. Um, but we're going to see each topic, the word prayer, racial re reconciliation, and sanctity of human life, linked, kind of held together in one foundation, which is, as we saw in Matthew, love, the greatest command that we have. Loving God and loving others are the two greatest commands Jesus provides the Pharisees. And today we see how God's ultimate love for us will produce in us a love for him and a love for others. If we are loved, which we are, therefore we love. This morning, as we all look back on the first week of this new year and see how well our Bible reading plans are going, we'll see how God's love for us should shape and transform our love for the world. Instead of it being a, I gotta grind it out, I gotta do better, man, it's January 8th and I haven't read the Bible once. Instead of getting beating up ourselves and trying to pull up our bootstraps and do better, instead, let's look at love. There's one day this week, <laughs> looked at my plan on my phone, I was like, I've missed three days. Dang, i got to read Genesis 3 through 10 today. And it was just like, i got to grind it out. All right? Instead of that, instead of beating ourselves up, let's look to God's love. Let's look at love and then let that transform our view, our understanding, our belief in what the word is. When we don't love the word, that means something is clouding our view and our understanding of God's love for us. Not just, let's maybe better, let me do something when we seem to not have a love for the word, that doesn't mean that the love of God has failed. It doesn't mean we're hopelessly damned to hell until we get back on the grind. If we truly believed, could fully comprehend God's unending love for us, we would never falter in our love for him. We would truly love others no matter what. We would absolutely be obedient to God's commands. We would read the word daily. We would overflow with love daily. But that doesn't happen. So what's going on? Sin clouds our view. The creation sometimes seems more fulfilling than the creator. We fall more in love with ourselves and our desires than God and his word. 
There's stuff getting in the way. It's not that we've got to just be better people. There's something getting in the way, and that is sin. So why do we love the word? It's sin. It's, it's ourselves. It's, it's everything else getting in the way, creation getting in the way of our love for the word. I just want to read 1 Corinthians 13. This is about the word. We're going to read a lot of the word today. 13, 13 verses. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and if I have all faith that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude, not self-seeking. It is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will fully know fully as I am fully known. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. I think if you have been married, if you've been a part of a wedding, if you've been to a wedding recently, that's going to be read. That's got to be read. And I think so often we can hear that love is patient, love is kind, and just fall into it. Yeah, I know that. I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to love like this. I'm, I'm going to strive to be like this. And we fall into this habit of not understanding God's love for us and therefore our love for him and our love for others and what we're really called to be doing. I know I fall into this. I just get into this rut of like, yeah, love. I know God is love. But I don't really believe it if I look at my actions, if I look at what I'm really loving. We are called to love like this, patient, kind, not self-seeking, enduring all things. And I think we can look back on this past year maybe even for you, maybe not for you. I know that the love that I've been producing has not always been patient. It has definitely not always been kind. I have been self-seeking so much. And I, instead of enduring all things, I want to quit a lot of these things it's too hard. So how can we possibly love like this? We look back on these seasons, the really hard seasons we have, and we see that's not happening. Then how can we love like this? How can we possibly strive to love God like this? How can we love others like this? It's, it's almost impossible, but we know we can do it because we have been loved. There's, there's nothing special in us that makes us, wow, we can love. Yes, we have the spirit. We've been saved. We've been changed. We are a new creation now. But the only reason we can love like this is because we have been loved. And if we're not loving as we're called to love, then we don't believe that we've really been loved. If we truly believe we've been loved as Scripture tells us we've been loved, then we would love all the time. But like I said, things get in the way. Sin gets in the way. Our humanity gets in the way. The love shown toward us, not only through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, but also through the essence of who God is. This is love. God is love, and we see that clearly through the Trinity. 
I'm going to quickly read Mark 1. It's not going to be on the screen. This is Jesus' baptism. Mark 1, 9 says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open, the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. This is the Trinity. Jesus, the Son, being baptized, the Spirit coming down, enveloping him, and the Father speaking, This is my Son. I am well pleased with him. The teaching of the Trinity is mysterious. It is really challenging sometimes. But if we really look into it, we'll see it is a perfect picture of what love is supposed to be. But sometimes we dive in too deep, and we don't know how this works. We can't understand this. We don't understand how God can be three persons in one Godhead. We'll get frustrated, or worse, we'll try to make up something to compare it to that our mind can wrap around, and some of this is really silly, water, ice, gas, whatever it is, those kind of things that we can immediately break apart, but that we try to cling on to. So the, the Trinity is difficult. It is not tritheism where three separate gods working in harmony with one another. It's one God. It's not unipersonalism, the idea that God simply takes one form and other times takes another form, whatever he sees fit. You can see that's not the case in Mark. Like we all, all the three at the same time. Trinitarianism, instead, means there is one God in three persons who know and love one another. God is not more fundamentally one than he is three, and he's not more fundamentally three than he is one. He is both. And this is super easy to wrap your head around. No, it's not. We can't understand this. We don't understand how this works because we're human and stuff is getting in the way. Something's clouding our view. The love of God for us and therefore the love that we're called to have for him and others is equally difficult to understand. But if we read verses that tell us what love is supposed to be, who we're supposed to be, who we're called to love, how we're called to love, if we just scam over those really quick, then we'll not understand how difficult this really is. This is difficult. It's hard to wrap our heads around. Because we're human, we have been infected with sin that distorts what love should truly be. The perfect picture of love that God is, as the Trinity, provides one of all three, Father, Son, and Spirit, perfectly glorifying and loving one another. John 17. This should be on the board. Screen. Jesus shows this uh, as he's praying. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all people, that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. And here it is. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do, Jesus to the Father. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So what this means is, before anything existed, God and who he was in the Trinity, they were glorifying each other all the time. It was the perfect picture of love and glory that we can't comprehend. And that was happening before creation. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. You might have heard this. 
In Christianity, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life almost a drama, almost, if you think me not irreverent, a kind of dance, this dance of the Trinity, this dance of love, this dance of creation. The three persons within God perfectly love, exalt, commune, defer to one another. They envelop one another. They perfectly encircle one another. This is perfect love. This is the love that we're called to show. This is the perfect love that we're called to produce towards God, towards others. Instead, though, because we're human, because we're infected by sin, the love that we often find ourselves attempting is a self-centered love. Instead of me encircling and enveloping myself around God, around others, around those who need love, I want everyone to encircle me. I want to be the center of the universe. I want to be the center of attention. I want everything to revolve around me. And yeah, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to consciously, yes, Chandler, kids, stop. You must revolve around me. But sometimes my actions are going to produce that. They're going to show this is what I truly want. We have been infected. This is not love. This self-centered love is not love. So much that we love in worldly terms is a means to an end. We often will ask the question, not really maybe, but ask the question, what am I getting out of this? It is a contractual relationship, not a covenantal relationship. It is, yes, I will love this. I, I, I will care for this. I will serve this person, this thing, this idea, but I got to get something out of this. If I don't get anything out of this, I'm going back to this. I want anything, everything to encircle me. This is not love. Us desiring to get things, everything is a means to an end. This is impossible. It's, it's not going to work. We're going to end up empty. We're going to end up alone and afraid. God cannot be a means to an end. It is impossible. When we try to make God a means to an end, we fail. If we try to read scripture as a means to an end, if we try to pray as a means to an end, if we try to love others and, and proclaim his truth as a means to an end to get something in return, it's going to come up short. And it's not because the gospel, God, his love has failed. It's because our view of love, our view of who God is, is distorted. It is tainted. It's something wrong with it. We are trying to make God and Jesus a means to an end. It's not going to work. Jesus is the end. He is the end goal. He is it. But if we try to make him something else, it's not going to work. So how do we love God in this way? How do we attempt to love God in this way, I think, is what a better way to put it. How do we attempt this? How do we every day fail and turn back to God in this way? How do we love God like this? Simply put, we love his word. We love his word. We start off every January with the word, I think, because it is kind of hot in a lot of our minds. This idea that that Bible plan, it faulted out in March last year. So this time, we're getting a better one. This time, I'm printing out a piece of paper. I'm going to start checking stuff off. I'm going to use the Bible Project, watch some cool videos, too, able to engage me more. I'm going to have accountability. My DNA is going to know what Bible plan I'm going through. It is fresh in our minds right now at the beginning of the year. So we love his word. And right now, that might be you. You might be loving God's word. You are in that plan. You are, like, digesting and just feeding on it every day and you are like it is flowing out of you every day you read you go to the coffee shop with somebody and it's just flowing out of you. you're like this is amazing this is what it's supposed to be how can i not see this 
half of last year. How could I search for anything else? The word is incredible. I love the word. I don't know what's going to happen. Probably. In a month, maybe. We might make it then. It's just going to go. It's going to go away. And other things are going to come up. Sometimes good things. Your family, school, job, things are going to start to move in. And it's not that something has happened with the word. That hasn't failed us. Other things seem to be more important. They've become distorted again. Things get in the way. And we lose our love for the word. So, when we don't love the word, you are not going to hear me say, well, just grind or just be better. That is not me. But what I wrote down is kind of dumb, I think. When we don't love the word, we need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done. Because clearly, if we don't love the word, if we are not loving God and loving his word, and we'll get to prayer next week, but if we're not loving God through the word, something is clouding our view. Something's getting in the way. And so rather than like, let me get rid of everything. Let me take a week away from my family. Let me quit my job. Let me cut out all my friends. Let me unplug the Xbox, throw my phone away, screen time, whatever it is. We throw everything else. Okay, sure, I guess. But instead of trying to get rid of everything that's clouding our view. What if instead we saw a true view, we saw who God truly is, we saw his love and what it actually is. So how do we remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done? We read his word. I know, it's dumb. If we don't love the word, how do we get that? How do we gain that love? We read his word. I know, and it's going to sound like just grind it out, just suck it up and do it. It's not, though. It is the only way we can love his word. It's if we remind ourselves through his word of who he is and what he's done. By reading his word, we're going to see who God is. We're going to see what he's done for us. We're going to see that all the prophecies, everything he said is true. We're going to see who we are because of all that. And we're going to see what we're called to do. It is not going to be this just magical I read the word, man, my love for the word's back. Sometimes it's going to be hard. You get into Leviticus and all the Old Testament, it's going to be hard. But the only way we can know God's love for us and therefore love his word is if we read the word. But again, we might have some practical ways too. Uh, I know that I need practical ways to do this. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, get a Bible reading plan. Do something. I found an easy app on my phone that just has little check boxes and what I read today, but nothing magical. The Bible, the Bible project didn't work for me. The videos, I was like, oh, no video today, I'm good. All right. Whatever works for you, though, I just check it off. And it's something that I can get up, I can read. I did it today. I accomplished something. And again, it's not going to be this magical every day, like, I read the word. Now I am just like super Christian. Here I go, trying to, trying to like conquer the world. Sometimes it's going to be, I read that. I guess that's good. It's the word. It's truth. So find a Bible reading plan. If you do not have a DNA group, if you are not a part of an MC, I would highly suggest you find that. Whether it is a crossing, whether it is a discipleship group, another church, doesn't matter. Find a group who also are failing and striving to love the word all the time. Find that group who, <laughs> they're not perfect. You get in there and they're not going to be like, oh, you haven't read the word? Okay, you can't come here. No one's going to do that, I don't think. Surely not. Find that group who also fail to love God and also run back to him every day, who love creation, but know they 
are called to love the Father, and they're to love you. Find that group, whatever it is. But in the end, we've got to know that everything else is distorting our view. Everything else is imperfect. Everything else is a means to an end. And if we, if we, are, loving the, if we are loving anything, if we are loving God, if we're loving those in our lives with a sense of a means to an end, a sense of I'm the center of the universe, everything encircles me, it's not going to work. It's not going to be fulfilling. We think it is, and it's not. Instead, we should encircle God. We should encircle others. We should serve. We should glorify. We should exalt everything else rather than making everything about me. And the incredible thing is, if we are doing this, if we are loving the word, if we are loving God in this way, encircling him all the time, he is the center of everything, then he is going to envelop us. It's going to happen. If you love others, yes, it is not going to be perfect all the time. When you serve others, it's not going to be, okay, well, you serve me. Here you go. Here's your service now. We were just talking to Brock earlier about this idea of ministry versus uh, a secular worldly job. All right, most Christians in the world, like we said, do not have ministry jobs. And the idea that to get something else, another job, would be something less than. All right, I I got rid of my ministry job, and and now I'm a less than. No, it's not it. We know that in these communities, in, in ministry, in mission communities, and whatever you've been a part of, it is not always rainbows and kisses and, and love and happiness all the time. It is hard. Joseph just talked about it. Like getting kicked every day, not just from other people, just from this idea of what are we doing? Why are we doing this? It is hard. But if you encircle others, hopefully you're part of community, a part of a family who is also desiring to encircle you. They, they're encircling the Father. You're encircling the Father, God, and the Holy Spirit. And then you're encircling one another. And it's, again, impossible to think about the Trinity and how they all encircle each other all the time. I can't understand it. How do we do the same thing? How do we love and serve and exalt each other all the time, encourage each other all the time? It's hard to think about. But if this is what we're called to be, we cannot be a means to an end kind of loving people. We cannot be a self-serving kind of people. We have to be this kind of love. We have to love the word. When we don't love the word, we have to read his word. We're reminded of who he is and what he's done. So I'll leave you with that really confusing point. I'll leave you with that really hard, difficult thing to do. When we don't love the word, read his word. Find a community of believers who are going to help you pursue this. Find that Bible reading plan, whatever works for you. And love the word when you don't love the word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are, what you've done for us, even in times when we do not love you. We love the creation rather than the creator. You still love us. You still pour out love, grace, and mercy on us, God. We thank you for that. God, I pray that as we are going to move into a time of communion soon, uh, that we take time, individually take time, to not think on how we failed, how how we have not loved the word, but instead think on how good you are, how good your word is. And if we have not loved your word, instead of thinking about ways and steps we can take to be better, instead see you for who you truly are, See your love for us, and in doing so, see how we've been loved when we don't deserve it. 
and they're doing so to love you, God. Give us a love for your word so that we can in turn glorify and love you and love others, bring more glory to who you are. Make the Crossing Church a Bible-loving people. Do that in us, please. A Bible-loving people that don't become big, heady, intellectual beings who only think about theology all the time and want to be better than everybody else. No, let it be true love for Scripture that outpours in love for others, God. God, make us a Bible-loving church who serve, who proclaim that truth to those who don't know you. God, please do this in us. Do this in the church at Munro Rustin Row, God. We need you. We need your word. We need each other. God, remind us of this daily. Thank you, Jesus.